0: Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you.
1: Xfinity x X-Fi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash x
2: Hey, this is Bridget. And this is Annie. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we have an update about one of my favorite people, some of you guys might disagree, and that is Queen Bey, none other than Beyoncé. Annie, are you a Beyoncé fan? Oh, yes.
0: (laughs) I went, I saw her concert, I think it was last year. It's one of my biggest regrets is that I took my now ex-boyfriend to it because he could have cared less, but also when I'm running, I have a great memory of um, like, it was a half marathon and I was really getting low on energy and then a Beyonce song, Formation came on, and it was like Popeye eating the spinach. Like my legs just took off.
2: Hell yes. Another good another good Beyonce running song is um, Girls Who Run the yes. World. Girls, that's a good one. If I'm running to that song, I feel like I'm going to break into like a, like I'm going to like break a win- car window or something. I'm going to like, <laughs> you know, throw a trash can through a bank window. <laughs> it's it,
0: I know the feeling, Bridget. I know exactly the feeling.
2: So Beyoncé and Jay-Z are doing their on the run tour right now. It's been pretty huge. Like I I wasn't able to go cuz I was traveling unfortunately, but a bunch of my friends went. I was seeing all the all the Instagram content and I was losing my mind. Two people who I really love went, that is Michelle and Barack Obama, they were captured really, like, getting down without a <laughs> care in the world to Beyoncé this weekend in D.C. Also, Michelle went to the Paris show as well. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, fun fact. That means that me, Beyoncé, and Michelle Obama were all in Paris breathing Parisian air at the same time. Just FYI.
0: <laughs> I think that means you're best friends now.
2: I think, I think it—I mean, that's math. That's just how math works. Yeah, so another interesting Beyonce update is that she's basically breaking barriers all over the place. It was reported this week that she's going to be on the cover of Vogue's upcoming September issue. If you know what that means, there's a whole documentary called The September Issue. Basically for Vogue, that is the most important issue of their magazine that they put out all year. So it's the important one.
0: And it's also rumored to be Anna Wintour's last one, right? So that's a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah, it's it's huge. Like, like. In the fashion world, it can't be overstated what a big deal this is. And it's basically pretty unprecedented because Beyoncé is, quote, contractually obligated to have full creative control over her cover, from the styling to the photographers, which, again, that's really, really, really unusual. If anybody can set that kind of precedent, it's Beyoncé. Beyoncé.
0: Yes, and per the Huffington Post, Beyonce hired the first black photographer to shoot a cover in the publication's 126-year history, which is awesome. But again, one of those sad firsts when you think about it.
2: Yeah, you're thinking 126 years, really, and a lot of those years were under Anna Wintour's, you know, leadership. So it kind of, it's good, but it's one of those things that just makes you think, like, oh wow, it's taken this long. Yeah. And this is actually something that I really admire about Beyoncé is that she does a good job in my opinion of like helping other creatives get the spotlight. And so, you know, when she, like she's mega famous, she will often do little things to help other talented creatives, you know, come up as well. And so I'm thinking of folks like her band, like Beyoncé tours with an all-female band called the Sugar Mamas and so you know, touring and playing with Beyonce, dancing with Beyonce is a big deal. If you can give that that platform to someone else, it's, it's a huge thing. Um, there's also this really great poet, warsaw Shire. Her work she spotlighted in Lemonade and she really blew up overnight, like getting the sort of Beyonce, you know, blessing, really, really sort of solidified her as a bigger name in poetry. Unfortunately, I would be remiss to not mention that it does not always go that well. Uh, Beyonce actually set up a lawsuit with the estate of a New Orleans YouTuber and comedian named Messy Maya. Messy Maya was this sort of comedian who was known for his outspoken YouTube videos. And she sampled, if if you've heard the song Formation, the very beginning of that song is actually a brief sample of one of Messy Maya's YouTube videos. So it sounds like this. What happened at the New Orleans? Mm I'm back. How popular the man. Yeah, I almost was like, I'm not. Gonna, I love Beyonce so much. I'm not gonna include this. I don't wanna. I don't wanna smear her good name. Uh, but you know, it just goes to show that all of our faves are our problematic faves.
0: This is true, Bridget.
2: So um, yeah, enjoy this Kristen and Caroline unpacking of Beyonce. And if you're going to On the Run, I'm very jealous of you. Please tag me in your pictures.
3: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about Beyonce. That's right. Yeah. And last night before we came into the studio, I posted on Facebook that we were going to talk about Beyonce and solicited listeners thoughts on her because we're specifically talking about Beyonce and feminism and the response, at least as of right before walking into the studio was so perfect because there was someone who was all about Beyonce saying, yeah, she's fantastic and really great for girls and super empowering. And another woman who was just staunchly against Beyonce. I think she's a total phony when it comes to feminism, doesn't like the way that she dresses and how bootylicious she is. And then another woman who said, Beyonce, y'all are going to talk about Beyonce? Really? I feel like that Facebook snapshot just sums up the Beyonce spectrum.
4: Yeah, I, um, I do not surprisingly follow anything that Beyonce says or does. I had kind of been aware on the periphery that like she had expressed some stuff about being a feminist or about feminism in general. And I hadn't really given it much thought because I just tend to take everything that pop stars of any ilk say. With a grain of salt. Right. And so I, I just didn't bother to like look up anything that she had said. And as I was reading, uh, as I was reading her words that she had pinned for the Shriver Report and reading stuff about her album and her lyrics, I, I mean, there was a part of me that was admittedly impressed. I mean, you don't typically see Young female pop stars these days owning the word feminist. And right. here she is calling herself one, talking about, uh, equal pay for equal work, men needing to demand equal pay for the women in their lives, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that by itself, like in a little microcosm, like that's impressive. But, um, I think personally that the debate Over Beyonce's feminism is the more interesting part of this topic, not necessarily Beyonce and her feminism or not itself.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. This this podcast isn't so much meant to be the Beyonce biopic by any means, but more because the blogosphere almost collapsed in on itself (laughs) around Christmas right after. She dropped her secret visual album on December 13th of 2013, right before midnight. And everyone was just spinning their wheels saying, Oh my goodness, she's citing a, you know, a feminist thinker and she's using the word feminism, but she's doing this and she's crawling around on the floor. And what do we think about Beyonce? Is it a feminist manifesto like Melissa Harris Perry says it is? Or is it just the same old stuff being catered, you know, catering to the male gaze? What do we make of this? And so many people were just talking, talking about Beyonce and feminism, Beyonce and feminism that I felt like, yeah, we should talk about it, especially because too, someone made a good point in one of these essays where it's like it's worth talking about because Beyonce has a massive following of girls very few of whom are probably taking women's studies classes. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I think. And, you know, Kristen and I were talking about this, and and I was telling her that I think that any time young girls, and, and really women, anybody... Uh, is exposed to the idea of feminism, the word feminism, the definition of it, the 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 culture surrounding it. I mean, I think that's such a positive thing. And so if, yes, so if this pop star brings feminism into people's lives, I think that's 100% positive.
3: Well, before we get into Beyonce and feminism, I just want to offer a, a quick timeline of Beyonce's rise to Beyoncedom because it's really, I mean, she's sort of in her, Her own galaxy at Mm -hmm. this point. Uh, So it all started really though in nineteen ninety eight when Beyonce was simply known as another member of Destiny's Child. This is way back when, you know, even a little bit after the Star Search days. Her dad's her manager. Her mom's making all of Destiny's Child's costumes. Um, And what was interesting to me was that the same year the Destiny's Child in ninety eight drops its first album, you have Lauren Hill becoming the first female artist nominated for and winning the most Grammys in a single night for her Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album. So some interesting synchronicity there. And then she goes solo in 2003 when she's 21 with the album Dangerously in Love. And uh, I found a New York Times review of the album and it was headlined, Solo Beyonce, She's No Ashanti. <sighs> <laughs> which kind of made me feel old because I laughed just like that. I was like, oh, yeah, Shanti. Uh, but it was interesting, though, because even back then with that first album, the reviewer was talking about how Beyonce sort of carved out this identity of being this fiercely independent woman, mm-hmm. whereas Ashanti was maybe suffering career-wise because she had always been attached to this group of you know male rappers and was sort of always a little bit of an accessory to them, whereas Beyonce has always... Kind of been just Beyonce. Yeah. Even
4: in the Destiny's Child days. Yeah, she, she really never hitched her wagon to a male star. Yeah. Well, oh, how do you like that? Although, except Jay-Z. Well, yeah, except you know? for Jay-Z. Uh,
3: and that will obviously come up in this conversation about her uh, feminism, because in 2008, she marries Jay-Z. Same year she releases Sasha Fierce. Um, 2012, daughter Blue Ivy is born, and... In 2013, it's kind of the year of Beyonce. Yeah. She does the Super Bowl. Ms. Magazine put her on the cover and people freaked out and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think the cover headline was something along the lines of Beyonce and her fierce feminism. And just I saw some screenshots from the Ms. Magazine Facebook page. And people, people weren't happy. A lot of women were not happy about that. Um, and then, yeah, just before midnight, December 13th, 2013, Beyonce, the visual album, drops on iTunes and then, you know, breaks a bajillion sales records.
4: Yeah, insanity ensues.
0: I mean, absolutely. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Get started today at betterhelp.com momstuff. That's better, H-E-L-P.com momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by
1: China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
0: Yes, and right now that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we, we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun.
1: Yeah, and I'm, with the disposable product, I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional
0: or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinat products are available wherever you buy groceries including delivery or pickup. So, let's let's talk about
4: Beyoncé
3: and feminism, Caroline.
4: Yeah, she uh, she had given some quotes to people, one of those people being British Vogue. And she'd also talked to GQ and said things about being like kind of a feminist, like feminist in a way. And so a lot of people when all of this this Beyonce feminism rigmarole started after her album came out and after she penned an essay for The Shriver Report, Um, a lot of people were saying like, look, she can't even claim the term. Like, she's not, you know, she's just wearing her booty shorts and dancing around. She's not a real feminist. Um, but she told British Vogue that, uh, I guess I am a modern day feminist. I do believe in equality. Why do you have to choose what type of woman you are? Why do you have to label yourself anything? I'm just a woman and I love being a woman. I do believe in equality and that we have a way to go and it's something that's pushed aside and something that we have to be, have been conditioned to accept. And when that quote,
3: you know, it hit the blogosphere again, because I feel like a lot of this conversation is, you know, really lives largely on the Internet. um, A lot of people were kind of disappointed in it Mm -hmm. by the fact that she seemed reluctant to claim feminism. She seemed to qualify it a little bit and also doing that thing of someone. I mean, when it comes to, Image management, Beyonce is Queen Bee. Absolutely. For sure. And you can kind of hear echoes in that of saying, well, you know, why do I need to label myself? Can't I be a woman? I'm, you know, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that to me is something that a woman who it, makes money off of her image is going to say. Yeah. So I can understand that kind of, that kind of, uh,
4: Nervousness, maybe. Well, but then when she was talking to GQ on whose cover she was photographed, you know, wearing like an to call it a crop top would be generous. She was wearing like this almost boob-bearing shirt and like teeny tiny panties. And but inside, she gives the quote about feminism and about how it's ridiculous that we that men are shaping women's images and what is sexy and what is feminine.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear from what she says that she she's she knows what's up. She knows about the male gaze and sexual objectification and how could she not being as successful as she is as a pop star? I think that you'd only need to watch maybe one of her videos to kind of figure that out and she you know i mean she fired her dad as her manager in 2011 she's like she wholly owns her empire right at this point um but with that latest album beyonce it's like it was kind of her feminist coming out party mm-hmm. some think you could at least say that with
4: a couple of tracks sure yeah, I mean, she has songs that cover the danger of obsessing about your looks, about women receiving sexual pleasure and liking to receive sexual pleasure and it being OK for feminists to like it. She even delivers. I didn't real. I just I was like, what is she saying in French? What is this? I did not realize she was delivering Julianne Moore's big Lebowski monologue about women and feminists liking sex.
3: Yeah, the the translation is men think that feminists hate sex, but it's a very stimulating and natural activity that women love this though is in the middle of a song all about, I think it's off a partition where it's all about how she and Jay-Z can't even get to a party or the club that they're going to because they're doing it in the back of the limo, not to be crass, but I mean, it's, it's pretty explicit i hate when that happens i'm like i just need to get to work well then one of the the lines of the song is it took me 45 minutes to get dressed and we're not even gonna make it there because we can't keep our hands off each other and she does talk about how in that song especially how she wants to be the girl that he wants Mm -hmm. mm-hmm jay-z wants (laughs) i mean i'm sure that's so easy
4: Well, she also does address marriage and relationships being hard, that it's okay to have problems and doubts and, you know, should we get married, blah, 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 all that stuff. And she even says that uh, she talks about being more than, quote, just his little wife.
3: Yeah. And and flawless, too, which I think what got a lot of people talking the most about Beyonce and feminism, she has a line in the beginning of the song talking about how, you know, just because she might refer to herself as Mrs. Carter. Don't, basically don't get it twisted. Yeah. This is all her stuff. This is her business.
4: All right. But that song also features the much talked about speech. It was actually a TED talk by Nigerian born writer Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, uh, talking about feminism and the definition of feminism, but how she, Adichie, would amend that definition to include some more things.
3: Yeah. And so for just a little soundbite of what Beyonce samples from that TED talk, uh, we teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Uh, she says we teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings the way boys are. Feminist is a person who believes in the social, political and economic equality of the sexes. Mm hmm. And meanwhile, you know, in this video, Beyonce is, I mean, (laughs) she's, she's just like dancing and she's so angry and like making just like, she's so, uh, fierce is so overused (laughs) these days, I feel like, but she's fierce Mm -hmm. in that video as this, you know, woman is going on and on about feminism. So people are like, what? Whoa. Yeah. This is revolutionary. But then other people being like, but she's kind of just,
4: you know, booty shaken. Right. And then, you know, we talked about how she had penned an essay for the Shriver Report, which is Maria Shriver's website, in which Beyonce talks about how equality doesn't exist, but it will be achieved, uh, quote, when men and women are granted equal pay and equal respect. And she talks about how attitudes about women being less than are drilled into our heads from an early age. So a common refrain that our podcast listeners would be familiar with. But one thing, too, that jumped out to me
3: was that she used her legal name, in that essay, which is Beyonce Carter-Knowles. She's not Mrs. Carter, as mm-hmm. was the name of her world tour that she also got a lot of flack about that we'll talk about, too. Uh, but, she, you know, it's an intentional hyphenation. Right. Well, I mean, Jay-Z, that's his legal name now, too. Yeah. Sean Carter-Knowles. I was about to say Jay-Z Carter-Knowles. <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's his name, right? Jay-Z. Um, but as all of this is happening in, you know, December 2013 and the first of this year... This just sparks all of this debate. And like you say, Caroline, the conversation about debate and the fact that we're talking about it and the way that we're, we're talking about it. When I say we, I'm going to say feminists at large, not that we represent all of them by any means. Um, but these conversations, I think, are say a lot about modern feminism, mm-hmm. and it's worthwhile to look into the substance of these conversations, almost Beyonce aside, but not Beyonce aside. Right. Um So we're going to talk about this this debate and the people who say absolutely Beyonce plus feminism equals amazing. And the people who say, nope, sorry, Beyonce, you are mm-mm, you're not cutting it. Yeah. Uh, when we come right back from a quick break.
4: And now back to the podcast. So before the break, we were just walking you through the development of this really humongous, explosive Internet conversation, basically, about Beyonce and her feminism and how genuine it is, because basically the argument boils down to, no, she's not a real feminist. It's just marketing and PR so she can make more money and get her name in the news. And no, she's totally a feminist. And not only is she a feminist, but she's advocating for empowerment and equality for women, particularly women of color. Yeah,
3: I mean, and on the yes side of the argument, I mean, you can go to I mean, there are plenty of feminists who automatically uphold Beyonce as an incredible, amazing, empowering icon, pop icon and now feminist icon because she is as successful as she is because. Uh, You know, her, she is so fearlessly bears her body and owns her business and, you know, sings songs about independence. And I mean, off the, you know, most recent album, Beyonce, you have songs like Pretty Hurts, where she's acknowledging that, yeah, even though she is Beyonce and looks like Beyonce, body image is still something that affects us all. And what better person to hear something like that from than Beyonce,
4: you know? Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Ileana Doctorman from Time magazine talks about how Beyonce is singing about love and sex more boldly than ever, peppering those songs with messages about independence and motherhood. And we're eating it up. You know, these are things. Beyonce is a figure who is supposedly showing uh, young girls and women that it is OK to be a vibrant sexual being and be a mother and be a wife, but also be that independent woman that you want to be. And Doctorman also talks, too,
3: about how. She kind of represents a generational divide, perhaps, in feminism, where some people might not be so on board with it because, in a way, she's her own type of feminist. Uh, Dr. Min writes, we millennials are not of the traditional generation of feminists who believed that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle.
4: Yeah, and so Dr. Min talks about how Beyonce is sort of at the forefront of this, this younger generation of feminists who maybe aren't fighting against the idea of, I don't know, men, of relationships, of marriage, of the traditional bonds of motherhood, all of that stuff. Maybe she's not fighting against that so hard. Maybe she's just fighting for equality, and she's fighting for it in her own way. So there are plenty of people on on this side of the conversation
3: saying, go Beyonce, Beyonce for the win. But then there are also plenty of people saying, even based on this most recent album in which... Yes, fantastic that you sampled Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, but hey, let's talk about Drunk in Love and something that Jay-Z says in that and that she also sang along with when they opened the Grammys.
4: Yeah, so... His part in that song, he he says, I'm Ike Turner, now eat the cake, Anna Mae. And for those not aware, that is from a scene in the movie What's Love Got to Do With It, about Tina Turner. And basically, Ike Turner is shoving, literally shoving cake in her face. It's a moment of, you know, terror when he's basically abusing her in public. And so a lot of people are left, like, basically... (laughs) You know, the record scratched for a lot of people like what a lot of people are saying that's just part of the song. It's just it's just music, you know, let it go. But there are other people who are saying, how can you call yourself a feminist, but condone your husband singing about spousal abuse in your song?
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and for people who haven't heard Drunk Love, first of all, you probably heard Drunk Love and may, might not have realized it, it from the outside, the first time I listened to it and I wasn't aware of that line, or and especially not what that line meant, I was like, well, Beyonce and Jay-Z. I mean, talk about an argument for a married couple because they are having sex in a bathtub and she is making surfboard references and riding waves. And I feel like I can't even talk anymore about it on this podcast. <laughs> um, and in a way, it's like, oh, good for them. They're a married couple with a kid. And they still have crazy nights together. So what's wrong with that? But then, yeah, the record scratch so (laughs) loudly for me. Once uh, someone actually tweeted at me about this line, I was like, oh, no. And this is when it gets in. We start getting into the territory of trying to jump inside of Beyonce and Jay-Z's brains and be like, well, is this maybe this is like a dynamic in their relationship? Maybe they're like into BDSM or maybe this means something to them that it doesn't mean to us. Ugh, it's still it, for someone again who is so hyper vigilant of image mm-hmm. management. It's like what. Uh- why has that got to be in there?
4: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's an incredibly important thing to keep in mind whenever you're analyzing anything that Beyonce says, does, sings, whatever. You have to remember how carefully she manages her own. I mean, this is a woman who has, you know, basically staff photographers and videographers with her at all times. This is a woman who, you know, got her people to tell BuzzFeed to take down unflattering images of her when her face was doing something weird. Um, so this is not just like this is not ignorance. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what this is, but, but it's a choice. Is, I mean, it's yeah. it's a deliberate choice. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just you have to wonder why. And then um, Akiba Solomon over at colorlines.com does think that this is essentially well condoning spousal abuse or domestic abuse at worst, but at best just not thinking it's a big deal. And she also points out that during Beyonce's Grammy performance of the song with Jay-Z, like, Jay-Z is fully dressed, but Beyonce's like, half naked and soaking wet. She does say, you know, that's that's her prerogative. Women should be allowed to dress however they want to dress, wear whatever they want to wear or don't wear. However, like, this is an image choice that she's choosing to make. Well, and if you're so surprised by the Grammys, like, yeah. how are you that
3: surprised? Because... That's the video. That's right. the aesthetic of the video. She's writhing around on the beach in lingerie, and Jay-Z's in a
4: t-shirt. Right. This and is nothing new. Well, cool, sure. And and as we'll talk about in just a second, like, you know, were, were people as upset at Madonna? Right, right, right. And also, side note, I don't want to see Jay-Z shirtless. I'm like, <laughs>
3: totally fine. He cuts a good figure in a tuxedo. I'll leave it at that. Um... But moving away from aesthetic choices, lyrical choices to more of the production side of things, uh, David Levicy, writing at Policy Mike, also points out that, hey, Beyonce, if you're all about girls running the world and what's not, why don't you help some ladies out in the production of your music?
4: Yeah, he points out that out of the 45 artists listed in the liner notes to this latest album, uh, which includes writers, producers, directors, etc., only six are women. And he wrote that this is a surprising move for the pop star who very deliberately chose the all-female backing band The Sugar Mamas for her Super Bowl halftime show last year and for her Mrs. Carter tour. Side note, um, a friend of mine, I was talking to a friend of mine about this topic, and he is a musician, and he was like, well... You know, I, you know, I, I kind of think it's stupid that she pulled together this all female band. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, please, please qualify your statement. And he said, look, I just, I know some of the guys that used to perform with her and they were better. They're just better musicians. And I thought about it for a second and I said, you know, I don't care <laughs> because I personally, I think if, if somebody's going to make a statement, Along the lines of empowering women and giving jobs to women and putting women in your face who are like BA musicians, you know, like I'm okay with that. I'm okay with her choosing musicians who may not be as good as the guys who she was playing with, but they're still amazing.
3: Right. Because that's clearly in Beyonce's own words, because that's one thing that's often left out of these conversations or Beyonce's own words. Um when she talks about why she pulled together the Sugar Mamas, it wasn't necessarily because she was looking for the best musicians out there. She said, quote, when I was younger, I wish I had more females who played instruments to look up to. I played piano for like a second, but then I stopped. I just wanted to do something which would inspire other young females to get involved in music So I put together an all-woman band.
4: And I mean, I'm 30, and I think that's so cool. Like, let's, you know, that's not even to talk about a a 12-year-old girl out there who might think, oh, wow, look at those women being powerful and amazing and sweaty up on stage, like rocking out with Beyonce at the freaking Super Bowl. Like, I think that's amazing.
3: Yeah, and giving
4: her the benefit of
3: the doubt, too, you can also argue that she is not going to be able to make every single or probably doesn't want to make every single
4: hiring decision for her massive team. Mm -hmm. Right. And Christine Osazua was blogging about this and she said, look, it's just, it's impractical to put all of that weight on one human being, one woman, Beyonce, to sort of be the savior for all women. She can't lift everyone up. You know, she, this is her career. And like we've said, she's managing it. She's making all these decisions, but it's not like she can you know has every ounce of control over every aspect of who she performs with you know and when i read that that very pertinent point made by
3: osazuwa it it also resonated to me in terms of like yeah this is like a this isn't just about the music industry we can't really hold her up as a beacon of hope for radically changing the lives of women everywhere. And yet we want to.
4: Yeah, I I mean, we want to. I it's it's like the anger that comes out of this is almost saying you disappoint me. Yeah. When it's not her responsibility to be some feminist savior. But at the same time, too, you'll have people say,
3: well, okay, with all of the power that she does wield in the pop world and that influence, you can't argue that, you know, she doesn't have massive influence. Sure
0: this episode of stuff mom never told you is brought to you by hello fresh get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with hello fresh america's number one meal kit hello fresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun easy and affordable
5: It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number 2 plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out. Which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's 5-star rated, with over 100 million downloads So go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
3: So what about the decision to, for instance, title her tour The Mrs. Carter Show, which again, that is a choice. That was a deliberate choice.
4: Yeah. And this is a woman who has said that she wouldn't be the woman she is today if she didn't go home to that man. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you're defining yourself by this man. You're defining yourself by your marriage. And she's not entirely disagreeing. She is her own woman. She is a powerful, intelligent businesswoman. But she also happens to be crazy in love with Jay-Z. Yeah. and, And some have
3: said, too, hey, listen. Barack Obama has said similar things about Michelle in terms of, Hey, I wouldn't be standing here as, you know, commander in chief if it weren't for my best friend of, you know, X number of years and the person who has supported me Mm -hmm. through all of this. Um, and she did actually speak to the decision to name the tour, the Mrs. Carter tour, in that interview with British Vogue that we cited earlier, she said, quote, I feel like Mrs. Carter is who I am, but more bold and more fearless than I've ever been. It comes from my knowing my purpose and really meeting myself. Once I saw my child, I was like, okay, this is what you were born to do. And this is what really stood out to me. She said the purpose of my body became completely different. And that just blew my mind because underlying all of this this whole conversation about is she, isn't she, is she really what she says she is Mm -hmm. in terms of feminism, it all circles back to her body and how we view her body and how she wants us to view her body and whether she is putting her body on display for herself or for other men or just for Jay-Z, you know? Mm -hmm. And the whole issue of how do we reconcile her sexuality and her commodifying her own body and feminism
4: yeah and a lot of people would argue that look hey it's just not feminist you're not a feminist for putting on some slinky bodysuit and dancing around and one of those people who spoke out about that was anna holmes who's the founder of jezebel and you know she says that maybe this is like a younger feminist game like it's not of her more conservative older feminist perspective to you know dance around in basically a bikini um she says that, you know, it, it feels like a performance just for the benefit of
3: men. And similarly, Ernest Owens, who is an entertainment media journalist, writes that for a woman who has mastered the art of being grown and sexy, never has Beyonce in the past relied so heavily on her physicality to let that overshadow the divine talent that many praise her for religiously. And I can definitely see that in this new album. I mean, the choice to make it a visual album, making 17 different videos that are you know, that that are a lot about her and what she looks like and her body to where you're focusing so much on what she's wearing, how she's moving, how
4: mm-hmm.
3: her she's presenting her body that it kind of you kind of don't think so much about her voice.
4: Yeah. And Owens was definitely arguing that and, and saying things along the lines of, you know, we don't wonder what kind of underwear Jay-Z is wearing when he's performing. Well, not
3: all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking speak of yourself, Caroline. some
4: of us in this room right now don't
3: All right. <laughs> wonder
4: about Chasey's underwear. And he, he, Owens is arguing that t- doing so, doing so really does oversimplify Beyonce, pop stars, women in general. You know, he, there, it seems like there's a little bit of, you know, Owens being torn, like, you know, she should be allowed to dance and wear whatever she's wearing when she dances because it's her body and it's her thing or whatever. But also we're relying too much on that visual. We're reading too much into it. We're making assumptions about her. We're not thinking about how she's a tenacious businesswoman. We're just thinking about how good she looks in lingerie.
3: Yeah, it's kind of the question of, is even if it is Beyonce telling girls that feminism is that everyone should be a feminist, according to Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, is that message really going to be all that powerful if she's saying it while she's on her knees?
4: Right. Yeah. A lot. That has been a lot of people's argument. It's like, yes, yeah, say whatever you want, but you're still like practically wearing nothing on the cover of GQ. You know, like your two messages aren't jibing.
3: Yeah, it, but at the same time, too, it's that same embrace, clear embrace of her own body. I mean, Beyonce clearly loves looking like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And oh, I would, too. Um, and Brittany Cooper, who's a professor at Rutgers, says that, hey, actually, her videos are empowering. Quote, I think it's risque, but I think she's asking us to think about what it means for black women to be sexual on our terms. And that's something that we haven't touched on at all in this conversation up to this point is race, because we are talking not only about a pop icon, but we were talking about a black pop icon. And I think that that does color people's perspectives of that and not necessarily in a positive way.
4: And along those same lines, Samita Mukopadhyay uh, over at Feministing talks about how the album made us, us, women of color, feel really sexy. And that's powerful. That means something, she said, whereas the rest of popular culture may not have that impact on us as young women of color. It's that whole issue of the historical perception of black women, their sexuality, what their sexuality means, who it's for. It's like it's almost as if they haven't been a part of their own discussion
3: yeah and uh one part of the her visual album that jumps out to me in this part of the conversation is the opening of partition where she's sitting there um you know having having a fancy brunch and she intentionally picks up a napkin and drops it in order to usher immediately this white maid to come over and pick it up and one of the analyses that I was reading about that was basically like. In a way, it seems like that's Beyonce kind of giving the middle finger to, you know, white women who, you know, want to have control over how she displays her body and how she moves it.
4: Sure. Well, that's that's part of this argument, too, is that a lot of uh, women of color are speaking out, saying that white feminists are telling us how to do things. Yeah, that we're not doing feminism right. We're not doing our bodies right. We're not doing sexuality right. And, uh, you know, a lot of these women say they've had enough. And I fully agree that, um, that it's complicated, uh, which is part of why I wanted to
3: talk about this. But, um, I, I am not on board with saying Beyonce is not a feminist because she dresses like X because mm-hmm. that's a lot of body policing that's going on. And also you swing it to the other side and you have. Feminists who have similarly said, oh, you know, Muslim women who are wearing hijabs, who are covering their bodies completely, you're not showing enough skin. And that's not feminist. So it's like, well, does this mean that there is a specific way that is going to be acceptable for me to dress according to your politics? Mm -hmm. Because apparently there's a uniform. Mm -hmm. And from what I know of feminism... Uh, that's that's uh, nope. That's not the way it is, or not the way it should be.
4: No, I absolutely agree. My uniform happens to be Liz Lemon plaid shirts and cardigans. Same here. But that's just me. That's just yeah. Yeah, I prefer stretchy pants and an oversized T-shirt. That's right. You know. But no, I I totally agree. I I think it's a moot point to say that you are or are not a feminist based on how you dress and how you physically present yourself. I think there's way way more to it
3: than that. And you mentioned Madonna earlier though, Caroline, and Tamara Winfrey Harris made a really astute observation about the difference between how white sexuality, female sexuality is often judged as something that is controlled and intentional. Madonna is hailed as this amazing feminist who, you know, she she wanted to get naked and wear her cone bras and writhe on the floor. And that's totally fine because that's, you know, that's controlled. She's breaking boundaries. Whereas black sexuality for so long, you know, in in the most racist sense has been deemed as animalistic. And so for Beyonce, it's thoughtless. It's mm-hmm. not a choice. She's, you know, she's dressing like that simply for the male gaze. It must be that. Right. Which that's when it's like, oh, well.
4: Oh. Well, it is complicated. Sarah Jackson, uh who's a uh, race and media scholar at Northeastern, talks about how this whole argument and the criticism ignores the fact that there are limited choices available to women in the entertainment industry. And she says the limited ways Beyonce is allowed to express her sexuality because of her gender and her race. That's I mean, that's another layer of it. Yeah, I, I, I think the essay that resonated the most
3: with me about this as written by ann helen peterson who spoiler alert we're having on stuff i've never told you very soon google her her blog is amazing um but she sort of talked about the ambivalence of this whole issue because on the one hand she really enjoys beyonce as a pop star mm-hmm. but she can't so easily reconcile the feminism that she is in a way selling you yeah, know? I mean she's she's commodifying feminism along with uh, all of her songs and her looks and everything like that. It's now part of the package. And while you know, it's good that she's talking about it at the same time we can ask for better, can't we? Maybe a a more legitimately across the board empowering portrayal of women.
4: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I mean Along that line, we do need to ask ourselves why we're asking so much of Beyonce herself. Like, you know, this is a woman, like, okay, like, let's break this down real quick. This is a woman who is like a self managed bajillionaire, who's obviously intelligent, driven, all of that good stuff. She's also sexy, she's got a great body. She is in love with her husband. You know, she has she's a mother and she's incredibly dedicated to her kid. So, like, you know, it's it seems like in all of these conversations, you know, there's always somebody talking about having it all. And can you have it all? And here's Beyonce, who, you know, has so much and we expect her to be things that you know, I don't, maybe it's just not even fair of all the things that people are expecting her to be because she is so much and she does so much. She's not the answer to our problems. Well, and whenever we start looking around for
3: a perfect feminist, that's the most pointless exercise. Yeah. Because who among us is? That's not, that's not really the point. Um, I also liked what Tavi Gevinson, um, rookie mag founder, had to say about it too. She was like, if anything, I'm grateful for the fact that, I mean, Beyonce's clearly working some things out. And but she's doing it publicly, mm-hmm. and this album to her was a step forward because, I mean, it does show us all of those sides that you just mentioned of being sexy, ambitious, working out, feminism, being married, having insecurities, being a mother—all mm-hmm. of it right there. And she handed it to us and was like, "Well, there you go."
4: And and people, we people are saying it's not—it's not good enough. Not, yeah. yeah, but you know, it's like well. Who, who are you? I don't know. Who are you? Who is she? What? You know.
3: Um. Yeah. <laughs> After a day of reading a lot of stuff about this um, and feeling just torn about the fact that this entire conversation was going on. One thing I put on Tumblr was that, hey, you know, she is she said that she's a feminist and she said that to an audience of girls, like we said, who are who probably not that exposed to mm-hmm. feminism and gender equality. And I would hate for. The outcome of this to be those same girls just hearing feminists say, nope, not good enough. Because if Beyonce is not good enough, if Beyonce can't, you know, measure up to the standards that we apparently have for her, then who among us can?
4: Yeah. And I, I think it is so unproductive, both in my own life in Beyonce's life and, you know, whatever. It's so unproductive to just have a conversation about are you a good enough feminist? Yeah. How about how about women supporting women? Yeah. How about supporting Beyonce for her decisions and just say right on sister, you know, good for you for speaking out. I mean, at least she's. I mean, look at her career. Yeah. She's she's doing it for herself, you know.
3: And Blue Ivy, she's doing it for Blue. That's right. But one final question, though, Caroline, why do you why do you think this caused such
4: an uproar? Why do you think we care so much? She's one woman. Yeah, I think, um, so, okay, this is going to be a really rough analogy, but so like when I walk into the break room at, at the office and I see that someone has brought in cupcakes, I'm like, Oh my God, cupcakes. Wait, wait. Okay. There will be other cupcakes. Like I don't have to get super excited about eating all of these cupcakes and putting them all in my face. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh-huh. I think that there are women out there, men, whoever, people out there who are so excited at the prospect of some big star or some big public person, um, taking on the issue of feminism, saying, I'm a feminist. And then, however, when that person is not exactly on point or not exactly falling into line with what this group of viewers thinks should be feminist, I think people get so upset and angry at that person. And that's not fair.
3: Yeah, I think in a way this conversation has become has spun out into a way that we a lot of women of our generation are working out our own anxieties mm-hmm. about gender and feminism yeah. and success onto Beyonce.
4: Yeah. You know, there will be other cupcakes. There will be other feminists. Not everybody is perfect. I think that um, we have to let people be who they are and not be angry at them for them failing us personally in some way. Right. Um, but I will tell you this, Caroline,
3: there will never be another Beyonce.
4: That's right. Did I, was
3: I, did I go jogging to Beyonce this morning? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. That was the way I got pumped up for this podcast. So I want to open it up though, to listeners. I'm so curious to know what other people think about this. Um, Beyonce, share your thoughts, momstepdiscovery.com. And especially for younger listeners, Out there who might have, you know, been growing up on a steady diet of Beyonce. What do you think about all of this? Because I feel like a a lot of the conversation is dominated by women our age and, you know, who are like, what, 22? Caroline? (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) write us, momstuffadiscovery.com, or you can tweet us at momstuffpodcast or message us on Facebook. And we have a couple of messages to share with you from Facebook right now.
4: Well, I am loving the feedback that we're getting on coffee and the kind of barista, bro culture. And I have a letter here from Sarah who says, On bro I used to be a barista and both of my girlfriends as well. When we go to a coffee house and see a guy behind the counter, we assume our coffee will not be good, that only a woman can make a proper espresso drink. I know that is sexist, but women have been better at pulling shots and creating the perfect coffee in our experience So I had no idea that it was a man's world for coffee. Great episode, and it was nice to see the other side of it. So thank you, Sarah. Well, I've got one here
3: from Tara, who is a female barista, who says, I can confirm 100% of what you say is true. We baristas all know the differences in customers based on gender and age. We see teenage girls approaching. We joke about how many frappuccinos we're about to make. When we see a large group of middle-aged women, we immediately start foaming a large pitcher of non-fat milk because more likely than not, we'll be serving a bunch of skinny lattes. We use this to our advantage when upselling customers. For example, if a woman orders a black coffee, I can almost always raise the price of the drink by suggestively selling some vanilla or hazelnut syrup. When I ask men if they want a flavor in their black coffee, it is almost always a resounding no, followed by a look that suggests I question his very manhood by suggesting that he might like a flavored coffee. Additionally, I can increase the average ticket of any man ordering a black coffee by asking if he'd like to make his coffee stronger by adding shots of espresso. Many people believe they're extra classy when ordering a straight Americano, oh, I love Americanos, (laughs) or black coffee, but in reality, they're missing out on all the things we as baristas can create with different flavors and coffees. Many men will never know the deliciousness of a salted caramel mocha simply because it's considered feminine. Interestingly, all but one barista at her coffee shop is female. That being said, every woman experiences sexual harassment on the job, at least at my place of employment. And while we are obviously not allowed to scream at any paying customers, we will most certainly, all caps, give you decaf. Ooh, clever. It is seen as an act of solidarity between
4: female baristas to decaf the creepy dude who just harassed your coworker. I wrote her back and told her that I was so glad she found a legal... <laughs> A legal kind of tame way to get back at creeps.
3: Decaffing. I like it. Well, if you have thoughts to share with us, momstuffatdiscovery.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media contacts, blog posts, videos, and all of our podcasts, you can head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. you.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: The Gold Club was the top strip club in Atlanta in the 1990s, with patrons like Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Madonna, the King of Sweden. But in 2001, the club was put on trial with charges of prostitution, extortion, credit card fraud, racketeering and an affiliation with the mob. I'm journalist Christina Lee, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of the Gold Club scandal, from the booty and bubbly to the deceit and courtroom drama. Listen to Racket Inside the Gold Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality? at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism, you're not alone. I'm Day Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.